day and unworthy at the same time. If you will turn with me as we will get on with the scripture, I know that I'm looking at the clock, so I want to make sure. I don't want no one to throw stones at me if I get you out too late. You know what I'm saying. I'm not coming here to start some problems, you know. Amen. So if we could turn to Matthew 24 and verse 9. Matthew 24 and verse 9. Thank you so much for the reading this morning. Amen. Matthew 24. And verse 9, I shall read in your hearing. Matthew 24 and verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Oh, but my favorite verse is number 13. But he, yes, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful to know that God will not allow evil to keep going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny? That at some point, God's going to say enough is enough. And for those of us who are trying to do right, who are trying to make our call and election sure, for the elect's sake those days, will be shortened and if we endure God's got something for us planned for you and me and that day is coming oh that day is coming my sermon title this morning is do you love your neighbor do you love your neighbor let us pray heavenly father it is not I but you that live in me, let your Holy Spirit just have his way, Lord. Let him go all through me. And that, Lord, the, 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 the praises that we have for you this morning, let it go up as a sweet aroma to you and blessings will come down. For, Lord, I am unworthy to stand here as a chief among men, wretch of all men. Lord, I, I'm unworthy. But because of your blood on Calvary's tree, You've made us all worthy, Lord, to witness for thee. So bless us this morning. Be with us this day, your Sabbath day. In your name's sake, I pray. Amen. Do you love your neighbor? And as we read this passage, let me make the setting. Jesus Christ is sitting on the Mount of Olives, A.D. 30. And he's sitting there looking over the city of Jerusalem. And he's thinking as, as he is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful. He was God and man at the same time. God and man. Not half God, half man. All God and all man. And only God can do that. And so he's sitting there on the Mount of Olives. And he's looking over Jerusalem. 
And in his mind, you can imagine all of the centuries that only the God can do. He created this world in, in, in six days, and, and he sees all the prophets that tried to proclaim of one to come. And now the one that was promised is there. And just a few days after where he's sitting, watching this city that has killed the prophets, he too will be offered up as the lamb. And he saw all of that. And so he's sitting there on the Mount of Olives. And his disciples came unto him saying, hey, Lord, look at, look at the buildings of the temple. What, what a city. This is beautiful, huh? They're awestruck over the power and create, creative abilities of man. But God saw past that. And he saw what will happen in just 40 years and also in these days to come. So there's a double prophecy there. And they were confused. They, they, they didn't know what, well, he said one day, one stone, there will not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they could not fathom that for it took years to build this temple. It was a sight to see. And the thought that one day those impregnable walls of Jerusalem will be penetrated one day and the temple would come falling down was a foreign thought. How could this happen? And so Jesus sadly wanted to tell those in whom he loved, who he loved them all, but those who loved him back by showing it, his disciples all around, he wanted to prepare them for the fiery days to come. So now we, we pick up here after the setting is made that, that he's saying, verse 9, that you will be persecuted for my name's sake. And we know how many of the disciples paid for their, their belief on Jesus Christ with their blood. And he's also saying that that will happen to us today. As a former probation correction officer, I was there for about maybe almost 10 years. I, as a fourth generation Adventist Christian, this, I wasn't used to that world. Wondered why God even allowed me to go that path. And one of my counselors was telling me, God is going to give you, uh, give you an experience, David, where now you'll get up in the pulpit and stop running from it. For I was a theology major at Oakwood, but I ran from preaching. Because it just, at that time, I thought it just didn't look cool, you know, preaching and stuff. I remember being at school and they would say, today, the pastor of the church, E.C. Ward, is the theologians, the theology day, theology majors day. All the theology majors stand. And I just, because I was embarrassed. And so when I became an officer, I didn't want, I put in paperwork to say, hey, I, I'm a seven-day Adventist Christian. And so they obliged by giving me that time off. And so as time went on, everything was good. Everything was good. But being cognizant of this verse, verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And verse 10, and many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. I thought that uh, as long as I didn't tell them, you know, I told them I was Seventh-day Adventist Christian and the Sabbath was my day, but I told you know, the supervisors and those who needed to know, I told them, but my coworkers, I didn't tell them. Because, you know, in, those, in that kind of field, you, you got to look hard. You got to look, you know, eh, eh, eh. 
Yeah, yeah. You know what you did. Get on in there. So you being a Christian, that just didn't flow. So I was busy being, being embarrassed that I was a Christian. Now, I wanted the day off. Oh, yes, I did. But what came with that, I didn't want because it didn't look cool. So I remember going down the hallways of the cells because we had to do 15-minute room checks to make sure they were still alive. And so you look in the rooms, and they would do some ghastly things. I said ghastly things in their rooms, but we still had to make sure they were alive. So as we're looking through, look, ah, ah. So I remember signing my name, and then one of them, real big, just big for no reason. It seemed like the more you look at him, the bigger he got. <laughs> Tattoos all over his body. And he was in there for doing something wrong, hitting somebody upside the head. And he said, Mr. Johnson. I said, yes. Can you come here for a minute? So I walked over to his cell. I said, yes. What? Man, what? what's wrong with you? I said, what? So I'm trying to, you know, flex. You know what? What, what you mean, what's wrong with me? So I'm looking at my, my partner who's behind the desk, you know, make sure everything's all right. I said, so what you talking about? And then all the other inmates get up to see, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, something wrong with you, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> so I said, uh, which, which, and I always knew deep down what it, what it was. Because you know how sometimes when you're out in the world, I don't know if many of you, maybe I'm not talking to the right people, because y'all have never been out in the world. I don't think y'all have. But those who have been in the world, you notice it's like at Venice, always try to outdo the world. You know, if they dancing in the club, they got to outdance the people in the world. They got to outdrink the people in the world. And people look, and you still, there's some kind of glow still on you that lets people know, hey, 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 man, I don't like partying with you. When I get around you, I feel guilty for some reason. What, what, what's your game? No, ain't nothing my game. I'm, give, me, give, me that, give me that liquor. Give me that, give me that smoke. And, and you try to overdo it, but something still gives you away. Hmm. You can always pick out on that Venice at the club. You can. It's almost like they got it on their face. S-D-A. They be on the floor. S-D-A. Yep, there you go. There go one. There go one right there. There go one right there. There go one. What is it that makes us different? So he taps me. Yeah. I said, what do you want? Man, it's something different. Man, I don't know. You walk down the hallway singing them funny songs whistling, and you always happy when you come in here with us criminals. Why are you always happy all the time? So I was, hey, hey, man, calm down, man. You talking too loud, man. Get out your windows, y'all. Get out your windows. Look, man, I'm, 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 I, I, I'm all right. I'm, I'm trying to be up in here, trying to, you know, I'm, but you don't be cursing. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I can communicate with you in the King's English, and as long as that's working, why do I need to curse? Still, I mean, you just different, man. So then I was embarrassed because I didn't want them to know because then they would take me as being weak. Then I started, as I started, they started to say, Mr. Johnson, I, my brother just got shot in the head and I don't, could you pray for me? And I, why is he asking, why is he asking me? But I know too much. Hmm. 
Does this sound familiar to you all? We've been grown up, raised in the church, Sabbath school class, primary, kindergarten, all the way up. We know about the love of God. We know there are people out there who are hurting, but yet we are too busy to lend them a hand because we're busy being ashamed of who we are. And our neighbor needs your love that God has given you. You know about the love of God from the word of God, and yet, for whatever reason, you were too embarrassed to share it. But you think because you come to church, <laughs> because you punch the clock, oh, I got to be at Sabbath school. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do this for potluck. I have to do it. You're so busy being a Christian, you miss out what the real thing is. And that's relationship with God. That love that you're supposed to have. Oh, and love is not selfish. For if the person, the object of your love, doesn't know you love them, then something's wrong with you. For love is not love until you've given it away. If you hold on to it, it is not love. Hmm. So I, they asked me to pray for them, and I was trying to be embarrassed, and, but I, I felt guilty in letting this man cry and have no one to turn to. And I knew and I knew God would whoop me with many stripes if I didn't do what I was mandated to do as a Christian. Go out and tell the world. Let them know that God is in you before you even open your mouth. They got to know there's something different about you. So when I prayed for him, I tried to take him over in the corner. Look, let's, let's go in your room. And you step in going now, I'll pray for you. Still being a little ashamed. And I prayed for him. But then... Five other hands raised. I said, yeah, could you pray for us, too, because we got problems at home, too. And I thought, ah. Oh. <laughs> now I know what Jonah felt like. Here I'm trying to run, and they still asking me to pray. So I started praying for them, and I thought praying was good. Then the religious volunteers would come. And, oh, man, the things that they would say. Oh, I thought, that is not scriptural. And gee, because you see, God love you, and, 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 and you see, the thing is, and they just, I mean, it's their version of the Bible, not even the New King James Version. It's their version of the Bible. And I would sit there, you know, I have to stand there, you know, watch and make sure. I thought, oh. And then all the inmates looking at me. John, you, you. Now, I never told them what I do, that on the weekends I go and sing and speak. Never. How did they know? So they would just look at me. Then he said, now before I begin, they would come in. Before I begin, we're well, we going to stand up and sing a song. And then he'd get up. Lord, I, I, just all off key and just making up words. And I thought, uh-oh. And they, Miss Johnson, why don't you sing? We hear you singing up and down the hallway. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm a probationer. I'm not supposed to do that stuff. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I'm going to go down the hallway and do some room checks. Miss Johnson, they all out here. You don't need to do room checks. Well, I'm just going to go down the hall. I'm just going to. You know, and they'd singing and tearing up the notes. So some just kept saying, David, you, you better use what you have. I gave you something. And you're mandated to use it. Because come judgment day, like my great-grandmother used to say, God's going to ask you, what did you do with those talents I gave you? Huh? Even if it's to smile. Even if it's, it's to embrace people and tell them you love them. Whatever it is, singing, speaking, that's not the only thing. Each of us have gifts and talents, and we are mandated to use them. And if we don't, there's going to come a day of reckoning. 
And when he says, what did you do with those talents? Well, Lord, what, I, what, what happened was because I grew up with no parents and, I, and I, God's not trying to hear that. All he wants to know is, did you use it? Not trying to be embarrassed. Did you use it? So for, after a while, I, I started to use it. And I started to be happy and proud. And Lord, uh, please forgive me because I, I know if, you, if I'm embarrassed of you, you're going to be embarrassed of me when you go to the Father. And I, I can't have that. So no matter how I tried to hide what I had, the more I tried to hide it, the more they kept requesting me to sing for for, 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 for the religious volunteer services and, 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 and then to speak. And next thing you know it, they said, well, Mr. Johnson, can we have like an early church before they come in? Can you like speak and sing to us before they come? And then I looked at my supervisor who was ex-Adventist. He said, go ahead on, Johnson. Next thing you know it, as I used to be at, down at Laguna Niguel, I took those, those song books I used to have at Laguna Niguel and I brought it to the unit. And we, we had a nerve to have a choir. We had a choir. The young folks were singing. Of course, they were still making up notes. That's okay. That's all right. But they were still singing. They were still singing. I remember going down after I give them the song books and I said, you can take it to your room. They thought that that was like one of the greatest gifts they ever had because no one ever gave them anything. Their, their parents were prisoners. Many of them didn't know their parents. And if they did, they, they spent most of their time locked up. So when I said, here, here you go, these are flyers. Mr. Johnson, I can have this. And man, they would be willing to fight each other if you tried to take it because this was theirs. And oh, when I would come into work, I would hear all kinds of notes just abusing the songs that I thought I knew. You know, I just keep loving him over and over. Mr. Johnson, how'd that song go? I said, oh, oh, I created monsters. But... I would rather them praise God like that than we pepper spraying them because they're fighting. So then next thing you notice, they always, Ms. Johnson, could you pray for it? And then when I come to work, my coworkers wouldn't like me because they figured that these inmates like him too much. He commands their respect because he treats them with respect and he gets it back. We don't like him. But it says you should be persecuted, right? Here I was trying to do the right thing, although, you know, it took a, long, a while before I decided to do it. Then when I was doing it, I started to get enemies. But it says you'll be hated for my name's sake. I started to get enemies. They called me church boy. After a while, they were angry because I didn't have any cold reds. And then it came to the point where my enemies would say, hey, Johnson, can you go on Unit 10? We have a problem with an inmate. He said he wanted to talk to you before he, we about to spray him. But he said, can he please talk to you first? My enemies. So I'd go over there and talk with him. Next thing, Miss Jones, can I hug you, Miss Jones, man? I take. And I said, Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, we know. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's gonna be all right. Next thing you know, a problem solved. They hated me for it. One day, I walked out to my car at 11 at night. My tires were slashed. They uh, called me names, not be, not in my face, because I'm still from inner city St. Louis. Okay. All right. Yeah, I get that right. But he did it behind my, <laughs> he did it behind my back. And, and it's something when you, when you show a love to people that are deemed unlovable by society, they give it back in return in ways you would never dream of. We would sing. I would pray with them. 
teach them how to sing. Teach them. I spent time with them. And they said, Mr. Johns, you know, you're like a father figure to us. Then I thought, wow, isn't that something? So then I, I was set up one time to uh, this inmate, refused to go to school, and so they tried to set him up, and they ended up cuffing him, and they ended up trying to, to beat him. And so they, they wanted to try to get me involved in some way, and I knew what it was, and I had to pull the supervisor off, but it was all a setup. And so the supervisor said I was insubordinate, and so they wanted to write me up because they had nothing on me, and they hated the fact that, I, that the inmates respected me because I gave it, and so they had to trip me up because it was nothing I was doing wrong. Didn't curse, didn't beat up the inmate, didn't do any of those things. So they, but because I reflect back on Daniel and Joseph, all those stories you learn when you're smaller, at some point they have to make a difference in your life. You're going to need those stories one day because as Christ was on the Mount of Olives, those were, that was a double-fold, double-fold prophecy for 40 years to come for the destruction and fall of Jerusalem. And these days now, when we are going to be persecuted because we love God. And so when those days come and you feel like giving up, you got to revert back to what you were taught when you were a kid. Sometimes you want to cry because the enemy's got his foot on your neck and you want to say, Lord, why me? And sometimes you might just want to say, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus. The sound of that name, even demons tremble at the sound of that name. Sometimes that's all you need to do is just cry out his name, Jesus, Lord. Help me. Because the closer he sees you with God, the more he's going to turn up the heat. But verse, not, but verse 13 said, he that shall endure until the end, the same will be saved. And so many, so those, those officers, those officers set me up. And when they set me up, they wrote the report, the, the supervisor and two other officers, that I was insubordinate, that I did this, did this, did this. And so when the investigation came down, they brought me in, and I, I said, Lord, you know I didn't do anything wrong. But for all those days, when the inmates would say, could you pray for me? Mr. Johnson, could you teach me this song? All those days that I showed love by my time, by my patience, love is... Love can be showed in, a, in, a, in many ways. Well, they told me, if our, my 20 years here, I have never seen this. All 20 inmates on your unit corroborated your report without looking at your report. They all said the opposite of the supervisors. I've never seen it before. And they said that you did this, 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 and it was the, the supervisor and the two officers that did this. Mr. Johnson, I don't know what you're doing, but those young men love you. And I thought, wow. And the supervisor was transferred, and later he had to take an early retirement. For those who would call me names behind my back, the inmates would, you know, they'd be sweeping the floor when I'd come in. And, you know, they don't want to be known as a rat. So what they do is uh, just kind of, oh, Mr. Johnson, uh, can, I, uh, can I sweep around uh, on the side there? That means they want to tell you something. So I said, sure, sure. And they'd come up, Mr. Johnson, they don't like you, and they're going to try to set you up. So you be careful. Now, at lunchtime, can I get your plate at lunchtime? I said, hey, yes, you sure can. And I said, because you always got to give them something. You always got to give them something. But I thought, Lord, why me? Why are they doing this to me? I'm trying to do the right thing. But what did the text say? 
you will be persecuted. And if you ain't being persecuted for trying to be a Christian, you better take your, your pulse to make sure you, you're doing the right things. Are you showing people love? Are you going out of your way to show somebody you love them? Are you? There are three types of love that uh, the Greek language gives us. One is that eros love. That's the erotic love. That love, we need all three to be a well-functioning Christian and human being. The first stage is the erotic love. That love that generates that romance. That love that's only predicated on the physical. On how that person makes you feel. Huh? You're in the mall and you're walking. You and your friends and you see that girl. Oh, 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 hold on. Oh, she just fine for no reason. Look at her. Oh, man. Oh, look, look. You go over there and tell her I like her. And if she like me, you know, you look back at me, but I'm pretending like I ain't, you know, looking. You know, so they're going over there and then they tell you, then you're looking and then they look over at you and you just kind of, you know, you know, just. And then if she gives you your number, you just, oh, and I, I love me some her. And then the women, when they see they're with their girlfriends and they say, oh, he is cute, oh, he is fine, oh, but I, it's not ladylike to go over there, so just go over there and just drop some, see if he a gentleman, if he pick it up, then, you know, smile, and then just kind of point him to my direction. You know the games you play. Those of you who are married, at some point, you played these little games because the person that you're with or that you loved, you had to first like them. You had to first think that they were all that attractive and, and, and they made you feel fuzzy inside. This Eros love is predicated on the physical, how that person makes you feel. For it's not attached to nothing real solid because, you know, the next week your friends can say, hey, what about you and that, that guy or that girl you were dating? Oh, I hate them. They, oh, they, oh, they just get on my nerves. I just, oh, don't even mention their name. Because it wasn't attached to anything real solid because it was predicated on how that person made you feel. But then, as we keep going forward, there is the second stage of love, and that is phylos love. The city of Philadelphia is named of brotherly love. This love is based on the friendship between two or more people. You will find this mainly uh, all around in different human interactions with each other, but at work. You know, a group of you guys go out for lunch, and then uh, you say, hey, today I, I got everybody. I got everybody. Just go ahead and order. And there's always somebody in the group, somebody in the group who has no money. And we call them moochers where I'm from. And they go up and they order up a whole lot of stuff. You give me five nacho plates and give me uh, three burritos and two drinks. What y'all want? I thought you ordered for us. No, this is for me. And then, hey, I could pay you next week. Next week will never come. And y'all always paying. And everybody takes turns paying for that guy. Within well, this Philo's love doesn't work real that way because this love is a give and a take. I give, you take, and then the next time it's the opposite. And as long as it's doing that way, going that way evenly, you guys have a good friendship. It's a give and a take. You do for me, I do for you, and vice versa. Philo's love. And it can work when both parties are putting in the same amount. But that's not the love quite that God wants us to have when he wants us to love our neighbor. Two commandments he gave, which sums up the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That third love is the love in which we are here today. For that's the love that God had on you and me. 
That's that agape love. Oh, that, that unconditional love that gives and expects nothing in return. That's the love that Jesus had for us. When he stretched out on the cross and he knew the sacrifice he was giving that many in which he was dying for would not accept that gift. But yet he did it anyway. And if it was just one that said yes to the gift, he would have gone through it all over again. That is love. That is unconditional love, the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Those of us who are parents, try to give away one of your loved ones to someone who you know is not worthy of that sacrifice. It'd be like a joke. Please. (laughs) Right. Think about it. Your child. And you have to give that child up for someone to live. Could you do it? Most of us couldn't. But God did for us. And we're busy being ashamed that we are his. And the people who are around us, our very neighbor, physical neighbor, do they know that you are a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? Do they know that you are supposed to go out into all the world and preach the gospel? In many, There's a myriad of ways you can preach the gospel. You can do many things to spread it. Sometimes a smile can generate a conversation. So that conversation can lead, won't you come in and visit us on Sabbath and then enjoy a potluck? If you're not doing it, there are going to be people, you're going to be asked, why didn't you use what I gave you? You're thinking that you are on your way to heaven, that you're just waiting on God. No, you don't have a relationship. People all around you don't even know that you are a Christian. That's a problem at your job, at your school. Do the people there know that you're different? Do they, or are you so busy trying to be like them to not stick out that you do whatever they do? Can they make a, do you make a difference at your job, at your school? Somewhere public, can your neighbors say there's something different? If we were to talk to your neighbors today and say, do you think your neighbor loves you? What would they say? That's the barometer right there. Do you love your neighbor? We are mandated. God loved us. How can we profess to love a God we've never seen and hate our neighbor who we see all the time? We better wake up as Christians. We better wake up because God is coming back really soon. And our chapter tells us that even if there are those unlovable people, they're just so unlovable, maybe it's a family member y'all haven't been speaking in years. And every time you get around them, it makes that hate boil up in you. Then love them, forgive them, but love them from a distance. Do whatever it takes to show love, even if you have to be in a different city. All right? As long as you did your best. Because tomorrow is not promised to you or to me. So while we're here, whether it's that mother, that sister, that brother, that father, that cousin that you don't speak to, is it worth your soul's salvation? Is it worth the hate or whatever the discord was? Does it have that much power over the love you're supposed to give them? Love them and keep it moving. Hey, I love you, 
Forgive you, whatever problems is, forgive me, I forgive you, I love you, I don't want to go back into the past, that's it, I love you, and you can't do a thing about it. And then you go and get on the plane and go where you live. Because sometimes unlovable people will make you not be so lovable, but you got to love them anyway. And when you do that, the power switches from them because that hate, that, that takes a lot of negativity built up in you, that wears you out. That will dull your batteries. But when you do that, you become the better person because you're being Christ-like. Do you love your neighbor? Oh, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, Christ in the embodiment of love came down to die for you and to die for me. And he said, love those around you as you love yourself. Love the Father. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But you have to love your neighbor. If you don't, you can't make it in. Because why would you want to go there and spend eternity filled with love when you don't even like to love? God will do you a favor and burn you up. Because heaven would be so excruciating for you. Everybody's loving everybody. So if you want to get there, you've got to love. The Savior is waiting on you. Tomorrow is not promise. Now is the time. Whatever your problems, issues, struggles, concern with somebody, make a difference today. Because tomorrow is not promise. The Savior is waiting for you. But tomorrow is not promise. He's waiting to enter your heart and feel that old hateful spirit. Replace it with love, with love. The Savior is waiting. Ooh, time after time, he has waited before, and now he is waiting again. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart why don't you let him come in there's nothing in this old world to keep you apart what is your answer to him Ooh, time after time he has waited before oh and now he is waiting again just to see if you're willing to open your door. Oh, how he wants to 
coming. Yes, if you'll take one step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. Just receive him and all of your darkness. It will end if in your heart he'll abide. And do time after time he has waited before. Oh, and now he is waiting again just to see if you're willing to open your door. Oh, how he wants to come in and do time after time he has waited before and now he is waiting again just to see if you're willing to open your door. Oh, how he wants to. I said, oh, how he longs to. Oh, how he wants to come in. Do you love your neighbor? God bless you.